1 Samuel chapter number 2, verses number 12. Bible declares, Eli's sons were scoundrels. Hmm. They had no regard for the Lord. Now, it was the practice of the priest that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with, the, with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled. 14 declares, and would plunge the fork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to shut. This is how the men of God treated the people of God. Verses number 15 declares, but even before the fat was burned, the priest's servants would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the person said to him, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. The scripture declares this sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Father, now in Jesus' name, thank you once again for this opportunity to minister the word of God to the people of God. Great grace now rest upon my life so that I can do what it is that you have called me to do. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen and amen. The scripture teaches in the book of Romans, chapter number six, verses number 23, for the wages of sin is, somebody shout, death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. In essence, the, the payment for the things that I have done, thought, or said that have been contrary to the will of God, I deserve death, not, not natural physical death, but spiritual death, which is separation from God. But the Bible declares, but the gift of God is eternal life because of the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Is anybody in here just glad to be saved? Come on, somebody. That I have peace with God, not because of my efforts, but because the penalty of my sin has already been paid through Jesus Christ. Now, in this dispensation, we, we embrace Christ as the ultimate sacrifice. But prior to the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Israelites, the children of Israel, they had to bring their own sacrifice. In essence, they had to bring something of value to them. And depending on the nature of the sin, determine the amount, come on somebody, of the sacrifice. The sacrifice that they would bring before the Lord, it had to be, it had to be without blemish. It had to be without defects. It had to be their best. Yeah. I went, I went shopping yesterday and I, I picked up some new shoes. And, and my custom is if I get new clothes, I give away my old clothes. If I get new shoes, I give away. Matter of fact, I send a text to one of my brothers. I say, hey, man, I got some stuff for you. Come, come by the church and pick it up. So, so that's what I do in, in my custom. But if I'm going to offer something to God, I wouldn't give God the old shoes. I'd have to give him the new shoes. So as a worshiper, prior to the offering of Christ, I would have to bring my own lamb before, and it would have to be the best. And when I present the lamb, watch this, this would make atonement for my personal sin because the lamb is innocent. I, the worshiper, am guilty. The lamb deserves to die, watch this, because the innocent dies in the place of the guilty. Can somebody say amen to that? That's what Jesus did for us. But prior to Jesus, they bring a lamb, they bring an offering to the Lord, and in bringing the offering, there's two portions that would happen to this particular lamb. 
there is a portion of the lamb, a part of the lamb that will be totally consumed, and that part consumed would go directly to God. Cannot be used by humanity, cannot be used by man at all. This will be totally consumed, given to the Lord. And then there will be a portion of the lamb that will be given to the priest to support the priesthood because out of all the tribes, all the other tribes got land except for the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical priesthood, they were supported by the portion of the, the offerings of the people of God. So we see this played out in Leviticus chapter number 7, verse number 29, when the worshiper, I need y'all to follow me today because I'm going somewhere. When the worshiper brings his sacrifice to the Lord, Leviticus 7:29 says, say to the Israelites, anyone who brings a fellowship offering to the Lord is to bring, watch this, part of it as their sacrifice to the Lord. Why does it highlight part of it? Because this lamb, there's, there's a portion of it that's going to be consumed, that's given to the Lord, but then there is a portion that's given to the priest. 30 declares when their own hands, with their own hands, they are to offer, they are to present the food offering to the Lord. They are to bring the fat together with the breast and wave the breast before the Lord as a wave offering. 31 declares the priest shall burn the fat on the altar. That's the part that belongs to the Lord. It's going to be totally consumed, but the breast belongs to Aaron and his sons, the priesthood. You are to give the right thigh of your fellowship offering to the priest as a contribution. So this is the way that it's supposed to happen. Now, I want to go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 2 just so you can see how wicked these boys, Hophna and Phinehas, really are. In 1 Samuel chapter number 2, verse number 13, the Bible declares the priest servant would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled. 14 declares whatever the fork brought up the priest would take for himself even before the fat was burned. So in essence these boys not only were they taking more than their share literally they were stealing from the Lord. Stealing from God. 16 is the voice of the worshiper. Because the worshiper has a problem with this because what I am presenting before the Lord makes atonement for my sin. And I don't know about y'all, but I, I enjoy the fact that the scripture declares that if we fall short, if we sin, that we can approach the throne of grace. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but I don't like the weight and the guilt of sin on my shoulders. When I fall short, I, I'm pleased in my spirit that I can can go before a loving God and get that weight off my shoulder. Just look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, get that weight off your shoulders. So the worshiper speaks up and he sees what the priests are doing. You, it's, it's one thing for you to take more than what you're supposed to take, but you're taking the part that belongs to God. And the part that belongs to God is what atones my sins. So the worshiper says, if the person said to him, verse number 16, let the fat burn first. And then take whatever you want. Go ahead. If, if, whatever else you want out of the lamb, you can have it. But the part that belongs to God that atones for my, my sins, don't mess with that. Let the fat burn first and then take whatever you want. The servant would answer, no. Hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. Now, these sins, according to the scripture, the writer, are hideous in the eyes of the Lord. So what I want to do just for a moment, I want to look at the father's, somebody shout the father's response. Yeah, I want to look at Eli's response concerning what his sons are doing to the worshipers 
and to the sacrifice that's supposed to be given to the Lord. We see that in 1 Samuel 2, 22, where the Bible declares, Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Let's pause right there. Not only were they, watch this, not only were they stealing from the Lord, they were perverting the worshipers. If you remember in 1 Samuel when Hannah, when she was praying and Eli looked at her and he asked, how long you going to be drunk? And Hannah was like, I ain't one of them. I'm not one of those girls. Come on, somebody. He did that because that was the usual sins, sins because of the sins of his sons. He said, verse number 23, so he said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. 24, he says, no, my son, everybody just shout no. If you're watching me online, type no. Everybody shout no again. He says, no, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. I love the fact that Eli stands up and he speaks out against his sons because how many know silence is permission? Yes, it is. I was up late Friday night, and so I slept in a little later on Saturday morning, and when I got up, Nathaniel was in my bed. <laughs> And Nate, no, I don't want you in my bed. Nate is like a ninja at night. He, he's, he sleeps like his mother. <laughs> and I, I don't need two ninjas in my bed. I, I said, son, what you, what you doing in my bed, boy? He looked at me and he said, well, mama saw me get in the bed and she ain't say nothing. Silence is permission. And I like the fact that Eli, as father, as high priest, he refuses to give his sons permission to disobey God. He says to them, no, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people, it is, somebody shout, it is not good. So we see the sins. I need you to see this in the text. We see the sins of the sons. We see the rebuke of the father. Now I want to show you the heart of God. God speaks to this fact Two different situations. He speaks through a prophet whose title is simply man of God. And then he speaks again through the prophet Samuel. First Samuel 2.27, he speaks through the man of God. And he says, now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, this is what the Lord says. Did, did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors, family, when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestors out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors, family, all the food offering presented by the Israelites. So God, God approaches Eli and he says, I have revealed myself to you. I chose you and I have blessed you. If you are, if you are a believer in this place, I'm telling you right now, God has, the reason you are a believer because, number one, God has revealed himself to you. And the reason he revealed himself is because he chose you. And if he has chosen you, somebody shout, he has blessed me. God has revealed himself to you. He has chosen you and he has blessed you. So look at the rebuke that he gives to Eli in verse number 29. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me? Now, I'm, I'm tripping at verse number 29 because Eli did what a parent would do. 
You see your sons acting up. You see your daughters doing something that's against God's will. You don't keep quiet. You approach them and you say, no, my son, no, my daughter. This is against God's will for your life. Stop doing what you are doing. But God looks at his rebuke and he says, you yet honor your sons more then you honor me. I'm confused. Now, now understand, this is what I do. God speaks to me about a particular theme to minister to the people of God. And within that theme, he will highlight certain scriptures. And in highlighting these scriptures, he doesn't instantly just download revelation of what I'm supposed to preach about those particular scriptures. It's my responsibility to, somebody shall search it out. It's my responsibility to search it out to see what it is that God is trying to say. So as I am going down the text, I'm somewhat confused at first because I see the wickedness of these sons. I see the rebuke of the father, but yet I see the displeasure in God's heart. God says, I heard what you said, but yet I'm displeased because there's something that you've done that, honor, that causes you to honor your sons above me. We see what God is displeased with when we get to chapter number 3, verses number 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. He says to Samuel, at the time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. I'm tripping on that word, restrain. Now, we started a brand new series on last week simply entitled Family Matters. Somebody shout Family Matters. So when God gave me this series, he gave me this title. He began to minister to me what he would, wanted to communicate to the people of God. And my assignment for the next couple of weeks within this title, Family Matters, I'm not necessarily highlighting issues, although I will talk about issues in the family. But for the next couple of weeks, my primary concern is to talk about the fact that family really does matter. Somebody shout, family really does matter. Yes, yes. So, so God began to minister to me a few weeks ago a little bit further, and he began to show me where my mindset, where my direction was concerning my family. I saw in my family personally, as well as countless families around me, I saw, what, I saw the hand of the enemy sowing division in families. I saw him sowing showing discord in families. And so I launched spiritual attack against the enemy, against the spirit of division in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen to that? I saw the hand of the enemy there, but what I did not see the enemy doing, it wasn't that he was just sowing the vision, but he was also showing, sowing this attitude, this nonchalant attitude, this lack of importance attitude. It was more than just the vision, but he was planning into the hearts and the minds of the family that it really doesn't matter. Oh, that's just my mama and him. Come on. That's just my daddy and him. Yeah, that's my brother. Yeah, whatever. That's my, my sister, but the devil is absolutely a liar. Family is important to God and family should be important to us. Can you say amen to that? So God is rebuking Eli in this particular text because in all actuality, Eli has a nonchalant attitude. How can you say that, Pastor McGee? Because I see it clearly in the text. 
His sons are involved in wickedness. His sons are involved in evil. And he steps up and he says something. But God rebukes him because after saying something, Father, I actually wanted you to do something. And there are too many parents that say, well, they, they just got to learn for themselves. I'm telling you right now, there are some lessons that are too expensive to learn. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. There are certain lessons that if you learn that lesson, you may never come back to the place where you used to be mentally. If you go down that road, my friend, you may learn a lesson, but you may not be able to recover to tell somebody else the story. He said, I wanted you to do more than just talk to your babies, but I wanted you to restrain your babies. What are you trying to say, Pastor McGee? Last week, we talked about protection. This week, I want to talk about prevention. Protection is when I see something evil coming against my babies, I stand in the gap. Come on, somebody, and protect them from what's coming against them. But prevention is the opposite. Protection is stopping evil from getting to them. Prevention is stopping them from getting to evil. So I'm tripping about this word restrain. I, I looked it up and I, I just Googled the word to see what exactly does it mean to restrain. And, and the dictionary says to prevent someone or something from doing something. Keep under control or within limits. I'm, I'm tripping because I'm, as, I'm, as I'm reading this definition, I said, God already knows some people are going to throw stones at me because it seems as though that this can be a controlling message, borderline, abusive message. But watch this. I'm not talking about abuse, and I'm not even talking about discipline. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this play. But I'm talking about when you see evil, you must do what you got to do to keep your baby away from it. So this is the attitude that I have as a parent, and I believe, as I, as I just meditated on this word restrain, I said, God, give me something, give me something. You got to help me with this, and this is what God placed in my spirit. If you're taking notes, jot this down. I'm talking about looking at your child and saying, I'm not going to let you hurt yourself. I'm not going to let you hurt you. Care what you say, I don't care what you do. I'm your daddy, I'm your father, I'm your parent, and I'm not going to let you hurt you, yeah, not, somebody shout, not on my watch, not, not on my watch. I, I don't know what you're going to do when you get out of my presence. I don't know what you're going to do when, when, when your actions are out of my eyesight. But as long as I can see and I see you going down a path that ends in destruction, I'm not going to allow you to hurt, to hurt you. Let me highlight a little bit further what I'm saying, and I'm almost out of here, man, because I'm passionate about this thing. Because how many know, again, somebody shout, family really does matter. In the book of Matthew, chapter number 5, verse number 27, this is very, very interesting. Jesus says something so powerful that oftentimes we take it out of context. And Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Yeah. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in with her in his heart. Now understand what he's saying and please understand what he's not saying. What he is saying is he hi he's highlighting the depth of sin. That sin is more than just actions, things that you do, but you can have attitudinal sins. You can have mental sins. So he's saying don't think that you're just so full of pride because you hadn't done it, but some of us have done it in our minds and God says that I see it in your heart. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. So this is what he's highlighting. He's highlighting the depth of sin. What he is not saying and what many of us oftentimes we allude to is the fact that he's not saying that the consequences of mental sins is the same as acting out sins. I'm going to pause that just for a second. 
He is not saying that the consequences of mental sin are the same as the consequences of natural sin. We can see this back in the, under the law of Moses, depending on the sin. And there are some people that just say sin is sin. Yes, but no. Y yes, but, but no. Because even under the law, depending on the nature of the sin, determine the type of animal that you brought before the Lord. So my approach is, I can't control what my babies think, but I will control what you do up in this house. Because as for me and my house... Y'all going to make me preach by myself. As for me and my house, come on, somebody, we going to serve the Lord. God gives us time. He gives us talent. And he gives us, watch this, he gives us time and he gives us talent. That's right. And he gives us treasure. And when it comes to my household, there's a portion of your time, talent, and treasure that belongs to the Lord. There has not been one single morning in any of my baby's lives have I looked at them and said, do you feel like going to school this morning? The devil is absolutely a liar. And by the same token, I I, will, I refuse to look at my babies and ask them, do you feel like going to church today? The devil is absolutely a liar. Just like I'm concerned about your education, I'm concerned about your spiritual life. You can think I don't want to go to church, but baby, you better put some clothes on because we're going to the house of the Lord. God rebukes Eli not because he didn't say something. He rebukes him because you ain't do something. And it's time for some parents in this place to stop just talking what you go. Come on. Stop just talking about the problem, but actually do something about the problem in your house. Let me show you why this is so important. My God, I pray you getting something out of this message. In Galatians chapter number six, verses number seven, the Bible declares, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that, has, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the, his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Now, now watch this. Because the devil is a master strategist. That's, that's just who he is. That's just what he does. And I have found myself in the past entering into spiritual warfare wrongly because I saw the devastation and the chaos around people's lives. And because I saw chaos, I assumed that it was the hand of the enemy. So I went into spiritual warfare and prayer on their behalf. But in all actuality, I was discouraged because my prayers and warfare did little to nothing concerning what they were going through. And God had to reveal to me is what you're praying against is not the devil because the devil ain't already there. The devil was there 10 years ago. Come on, somebody. And what you are praying against right now is simply the harvest of what they sowed 10 years prior. So what the enemy desires to do in our baby's lives is to push them to a place where they sow seeds at 15 that they reap at 25. That they sow seeds at 20 that they don't even, watch that, the harvest don't come until you get 35 or 40 years old. But as somebody's mama, as somebody's daddy, and matter of fact, you ain't even got to have no children. If you just got, if you have a heart for God and you love people, when you see some young person doing something that they ain't got no business doing, not only should you, not only should you say something, if it's within your power, you should, somebody shall do something. I ain't talking about just protection today, but I'm talking about prevention. Understand, in my household, I got three babies at home. I got three babies at home, and I'm doing more than just protection, but I'm, I'm preventing. I'm preventing. 
I'm preventing. My internet filter is a, it's not just a protection, but it is a prevention. Come on, sir. I know crazy stuff surfaces on the internet. You, you hit one word, watch this. It could be an innocent word, and it'll, hope, it'll open up a whole Google search to something crazy. Watch this. So, so in my, on my internet search, when crazy stuff comes, it comes to my phone so I know what my baby's looking at. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. And at a certain time, my internet shuts down the entire house. You know why? Because not only am I telling my babies to stay off craziness, I am preventing them. Now, let's put this particular text in context, and I'm done. Whoo. I got young babies at home. <laughs> and, and, wa- and watch this. I watched it. For the parents, for the parents, I know, I know what I'm talking about today. It's very tough because I, I, I went through in seventh grade. It's like seventh grade is the I hate you stage. I don't even understand that. Seventh grade is the I hate you stage. I was there when I was in the seventh grade. I, and one of the reasons I hated my daddy, you know why? Because my daddy was protecting me and preventing me from craziness that my friends were involved in. And my friends helped me, y'all. My friends helped me to hate my daddy because they kept reminding me all the stuff that my daddy wouldn't let me do that their parents allowed them to do. So I went through I hate you stage only for 15, 20 years later to thank God for my daddy from keeping me from craziness because the stuff that their parents permitted, come, y'all ain't saying nothing in this place, got them into some stuff that I never got a chance to be involved in because of protection and prevention from my parents. All of my baby, Aisha went through it. Greg Jr. went through it. Charity went through it. Seventh grade, I hate the seventh grade. I want to blow up the seventh. Matter of fact, Teresa and Nate, they going, they skipping seventh grade. <laughs> We gonna homeschool them six and push them to eight. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. If you really do right by protection and prevention, will it cause some animosity between you and your babies? Absolutely, because watch this: your children don't always know the danger that you're keeping them from. All they see is the pleasure that their friends and other people around them are experiencing by indul- indulging in certain things. They only see you as the mean parent that won't, keep, that won't allow them to have fun. But the devil is absolutely a liar. I tell my babies from time to time, I'm not here to be your friend. I would love to be your friend, but just in case I'm never going to be your friend, I'm going to always be your daddy. I wonder, can I get an amen from one parent in this place? Now, let's put this particular text in context, and I'm done. I just said that for the fourth time. Y'all know preachers lie sometimes. I'm coming to a close. <laughs> the context is God rebukes Eli Chat for not restraining his grown sons. <laughs> I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Not his grade school age kids, but his. Now, let me say this. I'm so proud of my two grown. My wife don't like to say two grown. She says say one grown, but I'm going to give them credit. My two grown kids. Because most of the craziness that I counsel other parents through with their children, to God be the glory, I ain't had to deal with none of that with my babies. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Greg Jr., I love you, boy. I used to yell. I absolutely thank. If I hadn't told you, I thank God for keeping me from killing you. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. But 
but I've communicated this very clearly. I thank God for what you hadn't been involved in. Not as your pastor, but as your father. If I see you headed to harm's way, number one, I'm going to say something. And if I really believe that the enemy is involved and it's getting ready to hurt you because I'm not going to let you hurt you. I don't care, what, I don't care about your grown self. I'm not going to let you hurt you. I'm, I'm going to do more than say something. I'm going to show up and I'm going I'm to do something. Now, this is what God told me, to, told me to say. He told me to applaud the mothers who actually went down to the crack house and drug their grown sons out the crack house. He told me to applaud you on today. He told me to applaud the, come on, let's give it up for the mothers. Give it up for the mothers. Give it up for the mothers. He told me to applaud the fathers who bust the door down and went and dragged their daughters against their will out of an abusive, y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. Baby, if he gonna treat you like that, let daddy bring you home. Y'all ain't saying nothing in that. He told me to applaud the fathers who chose not to give up on their children just because they're grown. I understand my grown baby. There's certain things that they're going to have to learn, and I know I can't intervene with everything. There's certain things that I want to say at times, but God says don't say nothing because I got my hand on it, and I'm going to navigate them through this trouble. But I, watch this. By the same token, there are certain things when I see, not only am I obligated to say something, I got to do something. And there are too many people of God, there are too, watch this, there are too many churches that are dying. And you know why they're dying? Is because the children that grew up in church, come on somebody, got grown. And when they got grown, they wind up in something dumb. And nobody had the boldness to get out of their comfort zone to say, not only am I telling you what's right, I'm getting ready to drag you into what is. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about discipline. We'll deal with discipline in a couple of weeks. But I'm talking about using the authority that you have in that person's life. Come on, somebody. Not to just say something, but there are times, my friend, you must, you must, you must do something. You must do something. It's funny. <laughs> my, my, my son, he was in, uh, it was 10th grade. Tenth, yeah, 10th grade. And um, he, he went through another transition of, it wasn't. It wasn't just craziness, but it, it was some, just some stuff under the radar. I just knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't right. And whenever I talked to him about certain things, um, he would always give me the, the perfect answer to the question that I asked him about. And um, I already know in my spirit something ain't right, but I just, God hadn't showed me, but I know this ain't right. So let me tell you what I did. I went and made friends with his friends. It's too funny. I was just talking to Greg Jr. about this about, uh, about three weeks ago, and I said, in 10 years, I'm going to tell you who them friends were who kept telling me all the stuff you were doing. I ain't going to tell you right now. I'm, I'm going to give about 10 more years. And I went to them friends, Chad, and I made buddies with them. I said, hey, listen, man. Hey, hey. You, you know I love y'all. I'm going to do what I can for y'all. Y'all know I love my son. But y'all know my son sometimes involved in dumb stuff, right? And y'all too. So I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to ask you what my son involved in. You better not lie to me. You know what they said? Yes, sir. 
I'm telling you, there are times when you ain't just saying something ain't enough. You better do something. So there was this particular thing that I told Greg not to do. I said, Greg, don't do that. And every time I go in there, I knew he was lying to me. I knew he was lying to me. So I went to one of his buddies, and I said, hey, man, um, I asked my son something. I know he's lying to me. Tell me what's really going on. Yes, sir, Mr. McGee. So he told me what was going on. And so later on that night, actually, I waited a couple of days, you know, so he wouldn't make the connection. I waited a couple of days. And Wendy, I bust in Greg's room like a prophet. I was like, ay, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel the Lord. Son, tell me about this. He sat straight up in the bed. He was like, <laughs> I'm telling you, I ain't just say something to him about it. I did something. And as parents, I'm telling you, God says that family matters to him. And it matters so much to him that whether your children are grade school or they well grown, y'all ain't saying, that's the baby I gave you. That's the son I gave you. That's the, I could have, I could have given that baby boy to anybody in the entire world. I could have gave your girl to anybody in the entire world. I gave them to you. And because I gave them to you, when you see dumb stuff, I'm yet a whole, I'm yet holding you accountable, Eli, not just to say something, but to restrain your children to prevent them from dumb stuff. Can I get a witness in this place? I'm not just talking about protection today. I'm talking about prevention. Because watch this. Come on, Charlotte. The devil trying to take too many of us out right now. But somebody shout, the devil is a liar. The devil is absolutely a liar. As the people of God, we got to keep our guards up. I told you last week, as a father, hmm, there's a whole bunch of jobs I've had. A bunch of business I've started, either passed on, some dissolved, some I sold. I don't do that no more. Employers that I work for. Work for them a couple of years, whatever. When I was done, I was done with that job. Even jobs that I had, I made it a practice. Wasn't perfect at it, but I made a practice not to bring work home. So when I leave the job, my, my work assignment stays at the job. So I can I can love on my kids without the stress of what I had to deal with all day. I, I try not perfectly. That was the goal. But as a father, as a mother, you're going to be there for the rest of your life. And it won't be just for your natural kids. And I want to talk to even those individuals who don't have children. There are young people that God has assigned around you as your responsibility, as your li- They may not even be your natural babies. But God says, I'm holding you responsible as a father figure, as a mother figure to them. And when God assigns you to that individual, that assignment doesn't stop. So you teach Not only do you teach, but you lead. You say, watch this, this is what you should do. Watch me walk out what I'm telling you to do. That should be the approach of the parent. Not this, do what I say, but don't do what I do. You got somebody in their life, in your life like that, you might need to walk away from them. Do what I say, the devil is a lie. No, this is what you ought to do, but this is how you walk out what I do. Here's the third thing. After telling them, after showing them, when you see them deviating from what's right, don't be silent, 
don't be inactive. I'm telling you today, God, I'm telling you today, there's some babies here because there's time, mom and dad, too silent, inactive. There's some children here today that's not here today because it was an uncle that saw what your nephew was doing. You knew what they were involved in. You chose not to say nothing. Until you knew what he was doing. You chose not to. Well, that ain't my business. It is your business when God shows it to you. What you mean, God? God didn't give me a dream. No. You saw him sneaking, doing it behind your house. You saw him. Because you saw him, you connected to him. It's your responsibility to not only say something, somebody shout, you got to do something. Now, I'm going to tell you, a message like this, I, I was troubled with this message. I've been troubled for the past couple of days because I know a message like this, this is not a comfortable message. This is not the message you come to church and you just want to hear. You want to hear what God is doing for you. I don't like the message where, I, where God challenged me to do something for him. And that's what this message is. He says to Eli, I revealed myself to you. I chose you and I blessed you. Does anybody have that testimony in here? You know God has revealed. I, I know the Somebody say, I know the Lord. He has revealed himself to me. I, I know he. I know he has. He's revealed himself to me. He's chosen me. I'm handpicked by God. And not only has he chosen me, I, he's blessed me. And because he's blessed me, he says, Eli, why would you honor your sons more than me? I don't understand, God. What do you mean honoring my sons more than you? Eli, I saw what you said to your babies. Why you didn't do nothing to stop them from sowing those seeds that was eventually going to not only take their lives, destroy their children's lives. You know the story of the son that was named Ichabod? That was the son of one of the sons of Eli. The whole generation, legacy gone. Legacy, legacy, legacy gone. When, when, I, when I think about my wife and, and what God has allowed us to do and achieve in the past 20 years of us being together, not just being together, but working together. And I always encourage couples that you got you to gotta work together. If you could do it by yourself, God would have never sent her. He would have never sent him. You got to work together because we work together. There's things, watch this, it didn't just add, but there were things that God grew exponentially because we chose to work together. Now, out of the all the things that we have accomplished and accumulated, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to take any of it with me. I'm going to pass everything on to my babies. Everything. Everything. And the devil is absolutely a liar. My wife said we're going to live to be 100. I believe it. Can y'all believe that? Y'all ain't got to say amen. I'm going to say amen myself. So I'm 42. Help me with my math, baby. Is that 58 more years? 58 more years. So you mean to tell me 100 years of working for God, 100 years of doing business, 100 years of sowing seed and continuing to reap harvests of the Lord, and I pass that on to children who kill in 10 years what it took me 100 years to get the devil is absolutely a liar what's going to stop them from spoiling the wealth that you're going to transfer to them I'll tell you what's going to stop 
when you see them, not only should you say something, somebody shout, you got to do something. So, uh, Minister, Minister Charlotte, this is what I want you to do, ma'am. There are some parents that's listening to some are here. There are some that are watching us live online that are struggling. And, and this, is, this is what God gave me. Let me look at it. I want to say it right, just how he gave it to me. Thank you, Jesus. A strategic plan of action. It's some parents, they've been talking it. Girl, you better, boy, you better stop. They've been talking it. But God says, I want you to do more than talk. There's some things that I actually want you to do. I want, a strate- I want you to pray for those parents that are in that position that God would give them a strategic plan of action. You all receive Minister Charlotte now. Let's move, y'all. Let's move. God, that you will forgive me, God, why I have not done what I needed to do. My heart cries out, Lord God, for every mother, Lord God, for every father today, Lord God. Lord, let us see ourselves in this message today that we will know without a shadow of a doubt, Lord God, we can do better. Hallelujah, we can do more than we've never done before. I rebuke the enemy right now and I cancel every assignment of the wicked one right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God, give us the authority to stand strong in the power of your might, oh God. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you have told us, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us shall be condemned in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I even thank you now, Lord God, that the enemy don't even want me to pray like I need to pray, but I cancel him right now. I come and take authority over him right now. He is defeated right now. I cry the tears of joy to know, Lord God, that there's a word, Lord God, that we can rest upon today, Lord God, that we can walk it out like Pastor said, Lord God. We got to say something. And not only say something, do something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord God, that we have a voice that we can use in this hour, Lord God. And we will not be silenced. Hallelujah. We will not be silenced in this building today. We will not be silenced online today. We will not be silenced on Facebook today. We will say what you say, say. And we will do what you say, do in the name of Jesus. So I ask that you will... Take us, Lord God, to a higher place in you. Forgive us, God, where we wronged you, God. Forgive you. Forgive us. Forgive us, God. 
We're sorry, God, and we repent, Lord God, of every evil and wrong thought that we've done against our children. I'm so thankful, God. Oh, I'm so thankful, God. Yes, God, some people don't understand the struggle. Hallelujah, being a parent. But, God, you give us the strength every day that we can rely on you, Lord God. We can't do it in our own strength. So I cry, Abba, Father, help us. Help us to be better parents, God. Oh, help us to be better moms and dads than we were, God. Lead us and guide us today to better, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God. And if there's someone online, Lord God, who don't know you, Father, as a parent, that is the first step. They can't lead in God if they don't have you, Father. Thank you for salvation today. Thank you for deliverance today. I cry. No, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I can pray to a God that will hear and answer our prayer. So I thank you for God answering our prayers, oh God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Your word says to taste and see that you are good. And you are a good, good father, Lord God. So we reverence you and we give you glory on this day. For it's in Jesus' mighty name I do pray and I thank you. And it is so and it is done. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on and put those hands together all over this building. Hallelujah, Jesus. Somebody shout, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Shout, I love you, Lord.